Welcome to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. Today we begin a series that will challenge you to grow in your faith and keep you walking in victory. Here is today's message from the Argonzoni Archives. Man, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to begin reading in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. Amen. And it says there, these are the words of Jesus. You notice it's in red. It should be in red in your Bible. That indicates that that's Jesus talking. Amen. And it says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or, what you, or, or eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the fields which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Notice what he says over here. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or in other words, the sinners, run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, this is the key verse that I want to bring out as the text this morning. But seek ye first right seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well say it with me again seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you amen every head bowed every eye closed Lord Jesus this morning we thank you Lord for your presence that is in this place I ask you to give me the words to be able to speak, move upon this congregation, let there be a freedom, quicken their minds so that they may be able to understand your word, and we lift you up and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now this, throughout this entire month, and I like to have your undivided attention, let nothing distract you this morning. I believe what I have to say could actually deliver you and, and set you free. Amen. How many know the word of God, the truth of the word of God is able to set us free? And I believe that this month God's, God wants to do something very special within the lives of all of our precious people. I've always said it, and as you look in the word of God, we have scripture after scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament that points out that the desire of God is always to bless his people. God's purpose and desire is to bless you. And he wants to bless you in such a way that he doesn't just want you just barely making it in life. When we talk about abundant living, we're talking about abundance. We're not talking about just barely getting by or existing in a survival mode. There are many Christians like that. 
And even ministries like that, that they exist, they're in a mode, a survival mode. Hoping that this week uh, everything will come in that they need and then from week to week and, and, and very difficult and, and, they, and they're worrying and worrying about paying bills, worrying about making ends meet. Well, this is not God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life is to give you life and to give it to you in abundance. He wants to bring spiritual blessings upon your life. He wants to bring physical blessings upon your life. He wants to bring material blessings upon your life. The very same way he's concerned about your spiritual needs and your physical needs, he's also concerned about your financial and material needs as well. But like I said last week, that there's always conditions with the Word of God. When God says, I'm going to, I promise you this. If you notice that, sometimes we just look at the promise. And it says, I'll, I'll supply all your needs. And we take a hold of that promise. Well, he's going to supply all my needs. But then you fail to take into account the conditions for that promise. There are always conditions for the promises that are laid out within the Word of God. And the reason why there are many of us that are not recipients of the promises that are in God's Word... And even though we stand upon the promise we're standing on a faulty foundation, it's because we're violating the conditions that are laid out concerning those promises within the Word of God. So again, we're talking about keys. And we brought some keys out last week and probably throughout this entire month. We're going to be bringing out keys so that with the key, you will be able to open up the great resources, the storehouse of God. And come into that place of abundance. Come into that place of abundant living. The type of living that God wants you to live. Now, it tells us here in, in this scripture that we read in the text. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, for us to seek the kingdom of God, it is very important for us to understand what the kingdom of God is all about. We, we hear kingdom of God kingdom living. But do we really understand what kingdom living is all about? It's not good enough just uh, hearing something, but it's important. See, according to your understanding is where the blessings come. When you're void of understanding, then you very well could be void of the blessings of God. God wants us to have an understanding heart. And he wants to ha us to have a, an ear that we could hear what the word of God says. The kingdom of God and kingdom living, it's important for us to understand because he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he brings out all these things are going to be given to you. Now, what things are, is he talking about? If you notice over here in chapter 6, the verses that we read, he's talking about in, in verse uh, 31, he says, do not worry. What shall you eat? Isn't that something that we worry about? You've got to bring food and put food on the table. What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or in other words, how are we going to pay our rent? How are we going to meet our budget? All these things, he says, don't, don't worry about those things, he says. He says that the pagans or the sinners, they go after these things. And if they go after these things, then, then I want you to know that if they need those things, I'm aware that you need those things too. But then he says, uh, and he talks about the Heavenly Father. I like that. The Heavenly Father. 
He's bringing out the father figure, that he is our heavenly father, and we, we are his children. And he said on another occasion, if your earthly father, if you're asking for bread, he's not going to give you a stone, then how much will your heavenly father give to those that love him? So he says, your heavenly father knows. He knows already that you need these things. But then he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Not some of these things. But everything that you need shall be added, shall be given unto you. Now we could make it very complicated, uh, kingdom living but just to simplify it, what it really is, in a nutshell, what kingdom living is all about, what seeking the kingdom of God is all about, it's God's way of meeting your need. In other words, God's way of doing things. That's what it is. God's way of doing things. And that's what I hope that throughout this month will develop a mentality of not doing it our way, but doing it God's way. That's where it is. When you come into that place of doing things according to the way of God, then you have come into kingdom living. The reason why there are many that are not in, have not come into kingdom living is because they're always doing it their way. They don't trust God. They haven't come into that place of saying, I'm not going to do it my way, but I'm going to do it God's way. When we come into that place of doing it God's way, then we'll begin to see the abundance that the Bible is talking about. And it, it means that there has to be a change in mentality. The Word of God says from glory to glory, He's changing us. And what He needs to do in our lives, He needs to change our mentality. We need to put on the mind of Christ. And when you put on the mind of Christ, then you begin to do things according to Christ, to his way. And when you do things according to his way, then you're able to experience the results. So kingdom living then, to make it very easy for you, is doing things God's way and not doing things your way. Now I want you to take a look in Mark chapter 10. And we're going to keep on. I'm going to give you scriptures that I'm going to ask you to turn to. Let's look at Mark chapter 10. And as we look at Mark chapter 10, let's look at verse 17 of Mark chapter 10. Now you follow with me. We're going to be using scriptures and I'm going to ask you to open so you're going to be using your Bible. Okay? Now I want you to notice here that Jesus gives the, the young, rich ruler a command. Notice what it says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. And he said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now look at me for a moment. You know what he was asking him? What he was actually asking Jesus, he, he wasn't only asking him, you know, I want to make it into heaven. That's part of it. He's saying, I want to be sure that I'm secure that when I die, I'm going to be going into heaven. This is something that we all want the assurance, don't we? We want to feel secure about that. But it wasn't only that. If you look up the, the word eternal life within the Greek, you will find that it has to do with abundant life, abundant living. 
what he was telling him, even though this man was rich, he was saying, this rich young ruler, he was saying, you know what? I, I want to live the, the lifestyle of Jesus. I want to live the, and I want to experience everything that Christianity has for me. I want to come into that abundant living. Not only in the future do I want to have life eternal, but even today, I want your blessings, and I want the blessings of God upon my life. That's what the rich young ruler was asking for. So he asked him, and he says, what must I do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to come into that place of abundant living? And then notice how Jesus responded. And he said to him, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God. In other words, if, do you have a revelation of me as God? Because if you don't look at me as God, then don't call me good. Because the only one that is good is God. And then he says, you know the commandments. Then he begins to answer him, you know the commandments. And he gives him the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Jesus, a teacher, he declared. Now notice his response. Now Jesus tells him, when he says, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus begins to give him all the commandments. And those are commandments that we find from the Old Testament. And then he responds to Jesus. And notice this, what he tells him. He says, teacher, he declares, all these things have I kept since I was a boy. Notice that? I mean, this guy was a good guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He responded and said, all these things, I've lived that type of life. I've been trying to follow all those commandments that are recorded in the book of the law. And then Jesus went ahead and he looked at him and loved him. I like that. He looked at him and loved him. That means he had compassion on him. And then he says, one thing you lack. Now, he agreed with him that this young man was trying to follow all the commandments. And this young man was a good young man as far as man is concerned or as far as the law is concerned. But then he said, one thing you lack. Now, look at me for a moment. He's saying one thing. That means this guy was pretty good. If it would have been one of us, it probably would have said a hundred things you lack. <laughs> I can't help but think about that. Jesus told me one thing. I said, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, man. He had everything together. This, this young ruler had everything together. And then Jesus responds to him and he tells him, this one thing you lack, he said. And what was it? He says, go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says, then come and follow me. Now, what was Jesus trying to do? Jesus was pinpointing areas of his life that he needed to give up. Jesus was trying to get this young man and give him a new mentality. A mentality of not doing things his way. I'm sure that when he thinks of all those finances that he was able to accumulate it, whenever he testifies, he'll say, I did it my way. 
Jesus is saying, no, I don't want you to do it your way anymore. I want you to come into the place of obedience and begin to have a different mentality and learn to do things my way. But what this, did, did this rich young ruler do? What does the Bible say? It says he got sad, right? It says that his face, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. Why did he go away sad? Because he had great wealth. And then Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now look at me. Jesus looked at him and knew that this young man needed a new mentality. And his response that he gave Jesus was a response of uh, I don't want to give that up. You know what he was actually telling him? He was telling him, if I, if I give all this up, it's a loss. Jesus is trying to say, look, I want you to understand that you're going to do things my way. And if you're going to walk the walk of faith, then it's not going to be according to the mentality of man. But it has to be according to the mentality of God. He saw giving to God as a loss rather than a gain. You hear me? I'll say it again. He saw giving to God as a loss rather than a gain. If he would have had the mentality that if I give to God, he's going to give me back a hundredfold, then he would have said, I have nothing to lose. It's a win-win situation. And he would have not had a problem in giving everything that he had and turning it over to God. When he saw giving to God as a loss and, and not a gain, that held him back. And this is the problem with some people. Some people, can, they, 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 they look at, at giving to God like if they're losing something instead, instead of re receiving from him in return a hundredfold. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach him. Now look, listen, listen to what it, as it goes on, what it says. And then he says over here in verse 29, First he says, Jesus looked at them because they didn't understand. The disciples were looking and they were marveled. And then Jesus said to them with man, he looked at them and said in verse 27, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. And he says, I tell you the truth. Now notice what he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No man who has left home or brother or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or feel for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And then he goes, homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and feel. And then he says, and with them persecution. He asks, the persecution is going to be there anyway. And in this age to come eternal life. So what was Jesus trying to say? He was saying, no, you know, he was saying, if I ask something of you, and if I ask you to, give me something that is yours and something that you have, then don't worry about it. Whatever you give to me, you're making an investment, and it's the greatest investment you could make because you are going to get back a hundredfold. That's what he says. And then he even outlines it. He houses and, you know, and, and whatever, whatever person needs, this is what God is saying, that he's able to give them back. Not 30-fold or 40-fold, but over here he's saying 100-fold. This is what we need to do if we want the blessings of God upon our lives. We need to change our mentality. Now, how do I get my needs met? What does it say? Seek ye first. How do you get your needs met? Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. How do you get the things of God? How do you get your needs met? By going God's way. Not doing it your way, but doing it God's way. Now, if you have insufficient, and many times we have something we have, we don't have enough. And I like to sing that chorus all the time that says God is more than enough. The problem we have is that we say we don't have enough. This guy had too much. He didn't want to let go. It works both ways. This guy had too much. He was rich. He said, I can't go, let go of all these things. And then there are many of us that say, I don't have enough. Not enough. And then we take our not enough and, and we hold our not enough instead of taking our not enough and turning it to God. And then God turns it over, gives us a hundredfold blessings because he's more than enough. I'm going to say amen to that. So we need a change in our mentality. Let's take a look at John chapter 6 and verse 5. John chapter 6 and verse 5. And again, I want to continue to illustrate what we're talking about. In John chapter 6, verse 5, we're not going to labor this because we've gone through this a lot of times, and I know that you know the story very well. And it's uh, about the five loaves and the two fishes. But I want to bring out some, some principles, spiritual principles that we find here in this passage of Scripture. Now notice in John chapter 6, verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now I want you to look at You notice what Jesus did? He went ahead. And he asked them a question. And all along, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm asking him this question. And all along, even though it seemed like an impossible situation, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. What he was trying to do, he was trying to get a hold of the disciples and change their mentality. He knew that if they were going to be effective, he knew that if they were going to come into that kingdom living, he knew that if they were going to experience the miraculous and the miracle working power of God, then they needed to change the mentality from the natural into the supernatural. As long as your mentality is in the natural, all you're going to experience is the natural. But if you let God begin to change your mentality from the natural into the supernatural, then you'll begin to see supernatural things begin to happen all around you. And this is what Jesus was trying to do with the disciples. He was trying to teach the disciples not to underestimate it, what they had in their hands. He says, we're going to feed this multitude of people. I want to feed them. And then he went ahead and he says, what do you have? And they, re they responded back, and you, have, you know how they responded in a negative way, because they underestimated what they had in their hand. Now, it was God, I'm sure, that prompted that little lad to come with his five loaves and his two fishes. Just like it's God. It's always God. Godly giving is always prompted by God. And I'm sure that it was God. That little boy just didn't come up like that. It was God that began to move in his life. It was God that prompted him to give, us, give up his little five loaves and, and two fishes. And then Jesus was trying to teach him, listen, even though it's, it's not much, even though it seems little, he's saying little 
is much in the hands of the master. That's he, what he was trying to teach them. So they were facing their insufficiency. They didn't have enough. There was a need, and they didn't have enough. Isn't that like many of us? There are needs in our lives, and we don't have enough. I'm sure that many of you say, I can't pay my tithes because I don't have enough. There are some, I can't give up my pledge because I don't have enough. The people that are not faithful in their pledges, they say, I wanted to give it, but everything came up, and I didn't have enough. Always, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I'm insufficient. I can't make ends meet. That's the life story of many Christians that they live their whole life like that. When God is saying, listen, I want to change your mentality and I want you to get your priorities straight. And I want you to come into that place of not living in the natural, but I want you to come into that place of kingdom living so that I could begin to do things for you and open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour miracles into your life. That's what he was trying to do with the disciples. Now, I want us to really get the whole meaning of this. I, I want us to take a look what happened in between. In, in between the, when he asked the question and then also, how did he bring about this miracle? I want you to look how he brought about this miracle. In Matthew chapter 14, the, this gives us the different pieces of that miracle that took place. Matthew chapter 14. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArganzoni.org. Matthew chapter 14. Notice here in, in, in verse, let's take a look at, at verse, verse 17. He says over here in verse 17, it says, We have here only five loaves of bread, and two fish, they answered when he asked them about, you know, when all of a sudden somebody came and said, what do you have? Do you have enough to, I want you to feed these people. And he came back and says, well, the only thing we have is five loaves of bread and two fishes. They came and they answered. And then notice what Jesus did. I want you to notice that in verse 18. What did he say? What did he say? Bring them here to me. I think that that's the key right there. For the miracle that took place. Jesus saying whatever you have. Whatever you have. Even though it may be a little. Even though it may seem insufficient. Even though it's not much. I want you to come. And I want you to bring it to me. And then when it was brought to him. Then he blessed it. And then the miracle took place. Jesus said, bring your not enough, and I will make it more than enough. That's what he was telling the disciples. You take your not enough, and what you feel is so insufficient, you bring it unto me, your not enough, and I will make it more than enough, because I'm a more than enough God. And I want you to know this. If you don't have enough, and you say, I don't have enough, and I'm not making it, then you need to take your not enough and put it first and bring it to God and let God that is more than enough bring about the miracle within your life. See the change in mentality? So that when you really don't have enough, that's the time you better give. That's the time you better sow seed. If you can't make your, your rent and can't do your house payment, then you begin to hold out on God. You're, you're, you're positioning yourself for failure. You're programming yourself for defeat. But what does he say? 
going back again. If you don't have enough, then seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. The little boy, did he go back empty-handed? Did he lose out? Or was it a win-win situation for him? The little boy didn't go away hungry. He gave all he had. There's five loaves, two little fishes. He said, here it is. He gave it. And because he gave it, then God took that little bit and he made much out of it that not enough he made more than enough and he fed the entire multitude not only did he feed the entire multitude but just to show you that he wants us to experience abundant living there was also leftover so that little boy's little lunch of five loaves and two fishes you know what he did he multiplied that into whatever people were there it could have been 25,000 people he took that little loaves of of five loaves and, and two fishes and multiplied it probably 25, 25 times. Because there were a lot of people. There could have been 25,000 25, times. 25,000 people. He multiplied it 25,000 times. And then not only that, but the little boy went back and he went home and he had leftovers. Because he said, pick up what remains. And what, what was, I think there was about 12 baskets after that whole thing, after feeding that entire multitude, there was left over 12 baskets, even more than what he had. So the little boy, man, he had an experience. I'm sure he went home and said, wow, man. Woo. He said, I, I thought I didn't have much, but I took the little that I have and my not enough and I turned it over to this man called Jesus and he took what I had and he just multiplied it and he used me to feed everybody and not only that but look what I bring home See? so it was a win-win situation with God with the little boy the little boy did not go home empty-handed now what would have happened if this little boy would have held back Huh? Think about it for a moment. What would have happened if he would have stashed it? When all of a sudden they're, they're making an appeal, does anybody have anything out here? Uh, we we got we to gotta feed this multitude. Is anybody holding heavy? And this little boy is with his little five loaves and two fish. Imagine if he would have said, no way. I'm not turning this thing loose. Could you imagine what would have happened? He would have lost out on the greatest miracle of his life. And what do you think happens to each one of us when we hold back on God? See, every time there's a, an appeal made, whether there's pledges, or many times when, when there's pledges and they say, give a thousand, and all of a sudden you feel, I want to do that. Oh, I feel like I want to give a thousand. But then what do you do? Well, I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And all along, God is prompting you to do something. Pay your tithes. Like on Sunday morning, pay your tithes. You say, well, I don't know about this week. I can't this week because I, I have this expense and that other expense, and I'm going to hold back on it. You know? Could you imagine how many times we have held back on God? 
And because we've held back on God, we missed out on the greatest blessing and greatest miracle that God wanted to bring within our lives. See, when God says, take that not enough that you think is not enough and give it over to Jesus, and Jesus will make it more than enough. So we need to come into that place. You want, you want to come into that place of abundant living? Then there's a condition. We got to change our mentality. He has to give you a cosco wrong. You know, ho, ho, Holy Ghost, cosco wrong. Are you going to change? Mm, you know, I'm standing by. I want to work a miracle. I want to meet your rent. I, I, I want to meet your, your car payment. I, I want to give you the, those clothes that you need. I want to put food on your table. I want to take care of your children. But I don't have enough. But he's saying, I am more than enough. Take your not enough. Put it in God's hand who is more than enough. Don't limit God. God is a miracle-working God. Let me give you just one more example, and we're going to be bringing it home. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And as you look at 1 Kings chapter 17, this is another familiar scripture. This has to do with the widow with the barrel of meal, right? And notice what it says over here in verse 12. It says, uh, now you notice, let me give you the background. Elisha, the man of God, he was, he was sent, he was commanded to go to this widow's house. Now, I want you to think about it. There was a famine, and Elisha is commanded to go to this widow's house. Now, what do you think he, it was this widow's house? The reason why it was this widow's house, it could have been any other house, but the reason why he went to this widow's house was because God wanted to meet this widow's need. God wanted to bring a blessing and a miracle in her life. That's why he sent the servant Elisha. And notice what happened. It says over here that he says to her over here, uh, he says to her, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, because he said to her, in verse 11, he says, as he was going to get, get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread, he says. And there's a famine. And it says in verse 12, as surely, she responds, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make my meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now, have you ever been in that situation? All she had left was her last meal. She says, all I have enough, she says, because he says to her, look, he says, I want you to go, do this for me, and by the way, bring me some food. Bring me a piece of bread. She comes back and she responds to the prophet and says, listen, I don't ha all I have left is just a little bit left, and that little bit, I have not enough. All I have is enough for me and my child, and after that, we are going to die. Now notice what the prophet says. Again, notice it's not a natural mentality here. Uh, look at me. It's, a, it's not the type of mentality in the natural, is it? Now, it, you would say he's cruel in the way he responds to her. Just like some people say it's cruel to take from these poor people. 
grow nothing. How could he ask for a thousand dollars? How could he ask for five thousand dollars from these poor people? Why they don't have enough. Well, if you don't have enough, you're a prime candidate to give. You are those that don't have enough, this is a prime church to give. Because when you don't have enough, he takes that not enough, and what does he do? He makes what? More than enough. And listen to what happened over here. Again, it's the same principle. I can go through the Bible and give you principle after principle, example after example of how God works. God's way of doing things. And notice what it says over here. And then Elijah said to her, did he say to her, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know I shouldn't be asking you. you, you you're poor. He says to her, don't be afraid. Uh, yeah, uh, look at that. Why did he say don't be afraid? Because the first thing that's going to grip you is fear. Whenever you're going to step out by faith, whenever you're going to take your not enough and you're going to put it in the hands of the master, there's always going to be fear that's going to grip you. Because there's going to be doubt that's going to come into your mind and say, what if it doesn't happen? What if that miracle doesn't take place? What if? What if? There's always that doubt. And the enemy will put seeds of doubt within your mind every time you're moving towards a miracle from God. He doesn't want you to experience the miracle. So what happens? Elijah says, don't be afraid. And notice what he says. Go home and do as you have said. But what does he say? But, listen to this, but first. Make a small cake of bread for me. Oh, my God. From what you have and bring it to me. I always know you what it says. Say what? What you talking about, man? Where you going? You're going to be looking at the problem. Wait a minute. What are you trying to con me or something? This was the man of God. This was the prophet. God sent him. And he was just following the principles of God. He was just doing things, not man's way, but he was doing things, what? God's way. He was trying to elevate her from the natural living into kingdom living so that in turn she will be able to experience a miracle. So what does he say to her? He says, listen, you bring to me first. What does it say the word of God? He's a representation of God. But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and when his righteousness and what? And all these things will be added unto you. In other words, we have to put God first. And if there was anybody that had an excuse to say, I don't have enough. I don't have sufficient. This insufficiency. I don't have enough. It was this woman. But what does Elijah, Elisha say? I should say, well, go ahead and bring it and bring it to me first. Don't worry about a thing. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't fear. It's natural in the natural thinking to fear. He's saying, I don't want you to fear. Just do what I tell you to do. We're not doing it man's way. We're doing it God's way. Imagine if this little old lady would have came back, this woman would have said, no way, I'm not going to do it. You know what she would have done? She would have lost out and failed on planning 
that precious seed. That seed that was going to bring to her a hundredfold, she went ahead and she, she would have ate it. She would have ate it and died. What she said, that I only have enough and I'm going to die tomorrow, would have became a reality. But instead, this woman said, wait a minute. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to stop doing things my way, and I'm going to begin to do things God's way. And I'm going to listen to this prophet. And what happened? He says, bring first, make me a small cake of bread for me. And when you have brought it to me, and then make some for yourself and your son. And then he says, what does he say over here in verse 14? He gives the promise. He says, if you do that, if you do that, he says, for God, for this is what the, what the Lord says, what the Lord, the God of Israel says. He says, the jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. That was the promise. Didn't make any sense. But he says, I want you to take that little seed that you have, that not enough, and I want you to put it in the hands of more than enough. And he says, and if you do that, then things are going to be happening. You're going to set in motion a miracle that's going to take place within your life. And in verse 15 it says, and she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah, Elijah and, and, and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Notice that. Now is this the natural thinking? No. This, is this man's way of doing things? No. This is kingdom living this is god's way of doing things taking that not enough and turning it into more than enough and in closing i'm not going to ask you to turn to the scripture but there's a scripture in luke chapter 16 and verse 10 i want you to listen to this very carefully jesus says if you if you are not trustworthy listen to what he says if you're not trustworthy with the least you will not be trustworthy with the much. The one that is unjust in the least is unjust in the much. Notice what it's saying? In other words, if you say, uh, always saying, I, I don't have enough, and you're unfaithful with your not enough, then if you have enough, you're still going to be unfaithful. If you're unfaithful with the little that you have, he says you're going to be unfaithful with the much that you have. So he says, then, then we need to get our priorities together. And it says in verse 11, says, if therefore you, you have, if you have been faithful, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, now mammon is money, who will commit the true riches to you? What is what he's saying? He's saying, listen, I want to bless you. Now, this goes into true riches. It goes into a lot of other areas of our lives. That's why money is important. He says, if you're not faithful with the very least, that is money, unrighteous mammon. It's unrighteous when it's in the hands of man and not being used for God. He says, then, if you're unrighteous with that, then who is going to give you and commit to you the true riches that God wants to give you? It affects all of our life. It affects all of our spiritual life. When we begin to violate the word of God and we fail to do things 
according to his way. He says you cannot serve two masters, God and money. Now I want to close with this. Listen to me. How do you know whether your master is God or your master is money? That's a question. I want you to think about it for a moment, and we're closing with this. How do you know whether your master is money or your master is God? I'll tell you how you know. It's very simple. Very simple. When God says, give me a tithe, or God says, I want you to pledge a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars or whatever he tells you concerning finances, I want you to give this offering. I want you to give that offering. And that's the way God works. It's the Spirit of God that does it in meetings like this. When, when, we, when we're about to receive an offering, God is moving in the hearts of the people. God wants to speak to you. Some of you close your ears, but God still wants to speak to you. And God is the one that prompts us and tells us, you give a thousand, you give five, you give a hundred, you give this, you pay your tithes. Constantly here, pay your tithes, pay your tithes, pay your tithes, pay your tithes. And he says, hey, uh, well, who's your master? Is it God or is it money? So how do you know when God says give uh, your tithes or, or give your pledge? Give of your finances, and God says it, give your money, and then your money says, uh, you better not. See, there's a struggle there. The God is saying, give, and your money is saying, don't give. You don't have enough. The money in your pocket is crying out, don't you dare give me away. You better not let me go right now. Then if you're responding to and holding out on God and not releasing it and not giving, then who do you think your master is? Then your master is not God, but your master is the money. And as long as your master is the money, then there's a curse that's upon you. Because then you're going to have to trust in unrighteous mammon, in unrighteous money. When all along God is saying, hey, this month, he, he says, I want to give you some keys to abundant living. I want to take you and change your mentality. I want to open up the windows of heaven. I want to take you out of that poverty and bring you into more than enough, into abundant living. But if you're going to do that, then we have to do things God's way and stop doing it our way. We need a change in our mentality. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? I know I said a whole lot. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And fear not. When you invest in God, it's a win, win, win situation. There's no one better that to invest in, but to, to invest within the kingdom of God. Seek ye first, right? What? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you. I want if this message has challenged you to step out and grow in your faith and walk in your victory, we would like to give you an opportunity to help someone who at this moment is in need for that victory in their life. You can make the difference by contributing a special gift to help us reach a hurting soul. 
go to sunnyargonzoni.org and make your special love gift. Be sure to continue to listen to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni on Spotify and iTunes.